0: Greetings, my good people. How are we? What is going on? How are we feeling on this holiday weekend as we kick off the unofficial beginning of summer here on the J Reels podcast, bringing you everything that's going on in the world of sports. I am your host, J Reels. For those listening for the very first time, thank you very much for downloading and listening to this content and welcome aboard. And for those who've been with me on this journey from episode one to now 71, I welcome you guys back here on a Monday. Monday. May the 27th in the year of our Lord, 2019, Memorial Day weekend in full effect. And obviously on this day, we must remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for this country, for those who continue to fight for this country. Obviously, it goes without saying from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. And of course, we do have to remember the ones before them who have made and paid the ultimate sacrifice to protect our land, freedom, et cetera. So once again, thanks to all of our troops out there and for those who have uh, been long gone. On this edition, we're going to get into the baseball, obviously, as we get to that barometer. This part of the season where, can't say we could separate the contenders from the pretenders, but you got to wonder, are the Yankees, they have a big week this coming week with the foes from up north coming in, and they could certainly put a lot of pressure on them. The Mets, after, if you heard my podcast last week, the sky was definitely falling, but let's look up and there's maybe a few clouds, but the sun looks like it's coming through. As they made it to 500, we'll get into the baseball. We had a uh, French Open is kicked off for those who are interested in the tennis. And we already have one person who has uh, left the uh, tournament. And it seems like every time when she's performing in any major tournament, she leaves in the first round. So we'll delve into that a little bit later. And 500 yesterday, not that I'm going to talk about it much, but you'll get my take on that. The Stanley Cup Finals begin tonight. And then also the NBA, which will commence on Thursday. And that's where we're going to start. As we now turn the corner to get ready to crown champions in both the hardwood and the ice, but as far as the NBA is concerned, it's uh, just been a riveting week if you're in Toronto. Finally, after all the demons, whether it be Vince Carter's missed shot in a game seven in 2001 in the conference semifinals, whether it was LeBron James just in your nightmares year after year when he was a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, just beating up on you, toying with you, whatever it may be. And now here we are a year later after they had the top seed in the conference last year. They disposed of their coach, Dwayne Casey. They traded their best player in DeMar DeRozan. And now 300 and probably 40 some odd days later, you're now standing toll in the Eastern Conference and are ready to take on the two-time defending champs and for the fifth straight year, the Golden State Warriors will be in an NBA final. And with Golden State, what is there to discuss there? Not much. I understand Portland had given them a good run. A lot of those games were close. But Portland just didn't have the horses nor the experience to match up against that ilk of a team. And as funny as that may sound... Because with Kevin Durant not in the lineup and all the talk, which we'll get into in a minute, about him not being the big factor and, hey, he shouldn't even play in the finals and with his impending free agency, when you look at what Golden State has done over the course of the last five years, it's probably, you're not going to see it ever again. You're just not. And I'm not going to get into the whole, oh, the free agency, so on and so forth. They had everything aligned over the last five years and to think, and I've said this time and time again, Right now, they would be going for their fifth straight championship. Right now, they would have tied the New York Islanders for the most consecutive playoff series victories in American sports history. If it wasn't for that game seven three years ago, when they gagged at home and LeBron with the block and Kyrie with the big three, this could be the last time we see a run like this in any major sport. And they disposed of the Portland Trail Blazers as they did, which seemed like a month ago. But it was a week ago tonight that they did so. They're going to have 10 days off before they tip off in the north at the Scotiabank Arena, which was formerly the American Airlines Arena. Or American, what was it? Air Canada Center, excuse me. You know, I'm always into the original names of these buildings. It seems like they changed every five seconds. But with the Warriors and everything that they've accomplished, and obviously they've been around this block several times, The new kid on the block. And finally after what I mentioned before. Throughout the history of this franchise. 23 years in the NBA. They finally get to the Eastern Conference mountaintop. But they still have one more mountain to climb. And that's Mount Golden State. And you have to give it up for Toronto. Just a tremendous job by their players. The coach. The entire organization. For taking a risk. And a chance on Kawhi Leonard knowing that he was a top five player in his league when his head was on straight and when he's 100% healthy. And he has certainly shown that throughout the course of this postseason. And who would have thought that after the shellacking in game two, what was it, 125-103, Giannis was two wins away from going to an NBA final. Two nights later, they play a double overtime game where Toronto had to scratch, claw, fight. I mean, we talked about this last Monday. And we just thought that, was that the last gasp or the last bullet that they had in the chamber in order for them to not only extend the series, but also try to even make it to an NBA final. Well, guess what? They certainly had a lot more ammunition to spare. They came up aces down the stretch. And we're going to talk about the buck side of things because despite the fact you got to give all the credits to Toronto, Milwaukee had a major gag here. We'll get to them in a second. As far as Toronto's concerned, they bounced back at home the following game in game four, and they had a cakewalk of a, what was it, 120-103. to 103. So they had their rocking chair game, and now they're going to Milwaukee. And I know a lot of the talk there at the end of the game was Drake rubbing the shoulders of Nick Nurse, and Milwaukee, their people, they weren't too happy about that. The coach downplayed it, but at the same time, I mean listen You can't put any stock Into what Drake does You know He's standing there He's jumping up and down Remember Spike Lee Did that many years ago With the whole Reggie Miller thing I mean as long as He's not on the court rapping or do- doing Backspins or whatever You want to call it So Now you get to a game five And This is where I thought That Milwaukee Was going to be in trouble Considering they Got out in the gate 18-4 to And then the third quarter They are up 63-51 What was it about? six and a half minutes to go and they couldn't put the hammer down on the Raptors they had huge games from obviously Kawhi when you look at a guy like Fred Van Fleet who when he's on obviously he could shoot the lights out of the ball and he's been very inconsistent but in that game when you're seven for nine from three in a game five and usually when you have players that either come off the bench Or a guy that can be productive Usually you see that type of effort at home Whether it's the crowd Whether it's just the surroundings Obviously you have sight lines You're used to shooting at home And shooting at a particular basket But to have that performance that he had on the road Nobody ever expected And in the game they hit 18 threes And when you hit 18 threes on the road Chances are you're going to win that game but with Kawhi having 15 of his 35 in the fourth, I talked about the exploits of Van Vliet. The bench certainly outplayed the Buck bench, and that was pretty much the sort, you know, the story of that series. Those final three games, because when you look at Game Six, not to jump to that right away, but Game Six was pretty much the same deal. The Buck bench didn't show up, and the Raptors were able to do just enough to procure a win. But going back to my theme as far as Milwaukee, when you looked at that game five at home, having those two leads, especially, well, first quarter, all right, 18 to four, you come out running and gunning, but it's still early. But in the third quarter, it's 63 51. Their offense wasn't really in sync despite the productions of some of the players that I mentioned. Now, minus the 15 that you got in the fourth quarter from Kawhi. But when Milwaukee couldn't have, they didn't have an answer. And when they couldn't make stops and they couldn't get baskets, Right then and there You knew that this was going to be Doom and gloom for game 6 Because They had to go back to Toronto Obviously the home court Their The crowd was just Dying Knowing that we're going to let out All of the past frustrations Of playoff failures past And when the Bucks Had that lead To now jump to game 6 When the Bucks had that lead At 76-61 With 3 minutes to go in the 3rd quarter And they start their run And you're thinking to yourself This is game five all over again. They couldn't get a basket. Giannis, let's face it. I'm going to get to the Bucs more later on. So let me give credit to Toronto. They did a fantastic job on Kumpo. That's all there is to it. Where he was able to do whatever he could against Detroit and against Boston. And even in the first two games against the Raptors. But somehow, someway, Nick Nurse and give him credit and give their coaching staff and obviously their players all the kudos in the world for them to pull a number on Giannis that wherever he took a step, there was a wall of Raptors. And when you're able to do that throughout the course of a series, where instead of just saying, hey, let Giannis get his 35, 40 points and then we'll take care of the rest, they're like, uh uh They wanted to make sure that they were going to do their best and let everybody else beat him as opposed to having Giannis have those big games. And I'm sure the coaching staff knew when you look down the, the score sheet and they could say, all right, Chris Middleton, he's had his games. Eric Bledsoe was up and down. Brooke Lopez, we understand game one and his heroics then. But And they just figured that, you know what? Let's just go at Giannis. Do what we can to stop him. And at the same time, as long as we keep our assignments defensively with everybody else, we'll be fine. Now, I understand three, two two and a half quarters into game six, you're not thinking that way. But for whatever the reason, they just turned it on. We know about the dunk left hand posterizing on Giannis, which pretty much is going to be emblematic of this game. And Toronto, oh, what could you say? They had just turned on the Jets in those last four games. And it's very rare that you see a team, I don't even know what the percentages are, but they got to be somewhere 75 to 80 percent that the Team that wins the first two games in any playoff series Chances are They go home with a victory And Milwaukee with everything that they've done Throughout this postseason And especially the first two games of this Eastern Conference Finals I mean what made you think All right, Toronto will get back in the series Even after the two overtimes And everything that it took then All the minutes that Kawhi played And you know both teams But Who would have thought that they would have just gone on To sweep this team After just being so dominant in those first two games So Toronto, kudos to the North, the Six, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure everybody is just ecstatic because that is a, crazy as this may sound, for a team that's had their, for I should say, for a city that's had their basketball team for 23 years, not only is it a very popular city, but it's become a very good basketball city. And now that they had the chance to bask and revel in a conference championship, I'm sure they want more. I know they're not happy to be here. But you got to just finally, if you're a sports fan, you got to look at that and say, good for them. Because they went through some heartache. They went through some tough times. We all know they had the great bounce in game seven against Philadelphia. And now this comeback down 0-2 to the top seed in the East and most likely the MVP of the league. Now, I can't say it doesn't get any sweeter than that. You got to go out and win this series. Because in order for, to make this series stick And obviously for the Four bounces off the rim With Kawhi Leonard and the Philadelphia 76ers In the in, you know, Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Semifinals In order for that to Be part of not only just Toronto Raptor history But NBA history, you gotta go out And slay the Dragon And we know that Dragon is the two-time defending champs So Again, congratulations to them I know they're excited I know they're, and they have the home court which is even more interesting because this is the first time that Golden State throughout this whole championship run they will not have home court advantage in the NBA Finals. So Toronto they got to make sure to hold serve at home. Last thing you want to do is come out in a game one flat especially with Golden State being off 10 days and then we've seen them turn that switch on and off but we'll get more into the Golden State into the series in a second. I got to get to Milwaukee here. Mike Budenholzer is a coach that's widely respected throughout the league. We understand he comes from the Popovich tree. We get that. He had a very successful year. Considering the team that was last year, Jason Kidd, and then they had an interim coach there for a hot minute. And bringing in Budenholzer was pretty much a no-brainer. The team went to heights that haven't been seen in the regular season for quite some time. They were two games away from an NBA final. And let's face it. They were outcoached, they were overmatched, for whatever the reason, they just could not get the key stop or the key basket when was most importantly needed, and I'm going to start with their top player and Giannis, now there isn't much to knock about him, he does have some growing to do, and I'm not even going to talk about the post game, Giannis he does bring a fire and a passion that not a lot of players have And the reason why I say that Because with the way the NBA is today It's frat, you know, fraternization Everything is all about me Let's post for the cameras Whatever Giannis isn't that type of guy Giannis is a guy that he wants to put in his work He wants to be great And that's that And we know the type of game he has On the open floor he's unstoppable And we've seen this year Him take a leap from last year To be arguably the best player in the league And now, after going through this, he's going to learn. And the one thing I think about, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in a gym somewhere shooting 503-pointers, because he's the type of guy where this is going to burn him. Of course, I don't know him personally, but he just has that type of demeanor. He just seems to be the type of guy that he doesn't want to work out with LeBron James in the offseason or the Kevin Durants. Or you know, if he's in LA, he's going to meet up with other of his NBA brethren. He's a guy where he's going to be alone in the gym and he doesn't care. He's going to lock the door. I don't want any press. I don't want anybody else interfering. He's just going to go ahead and do that. And I hope he does. Because you could see that a three-point shot, although it's still raw, but if he practices it, it's coming. Same with a mid-range game. And if he has a post-up game, you can forget it. And LeBron had to learn that in 2011 as he went through that with Dallas. And then in 2012, he just buried Oklahoma. Now Giannis, he's going to go through that, and this whole summer he's going to hear that. Great player, but not a great finisher, meaning closing out games and closing out series. Type of guy where we know he could be a top talent and is a top talent, but can he be that guy that's going to be, I don't want to say immortal or still early, but a guy who's going to be a perennial, all pro, all NBA player for eight to 10 years. Now what he did in the post game was disgraceful. He had to face the music I understand the question that was brought up there He's sitting there with Chris Middleton And then he just gets up and walks away Can't do that Face the media Face the music If anything I could see his frustration His anger, whatever He just lost a playoff series And being up to 0 But if I was him I would have sat there and took it And I would have made a declaration at the end of that Saying We'll be back next year I'll be back next year NBA, look out because I'm coming And you know what? If he would have said that More props and respect to him But for him to get up and walk off like that That was just a bad move And he's going to learn I understand he's young And you got to give him a pass And hopefully that'll be the first and last time he does that But it certainly didn't look good for him It certainly didn't look good for the organization Because he is the organization And the coach He's going to have to lick his wounds over this one And this team Let's face it, they fell apart in this postseason. Especially in this conference final. Chris Middleton was nowhere to be found. Eric Bledsoe, they gave him an extension. And he is just a yo-yo. He's up and down. Who knows if Brook Lopez comes back. They had the guys, they had the squad on this team that could make some hay. But they're just in and out, up and down, too much. Obviously Giannis can't do everything. So you need to have those other guys just like what Toronto did to get to a final to complement your superstar player. I think the one person would be perfect, and he's a free agent, that if the Bucs were looking to get that guy, and no it's no disrespect to Middleton. Obviously, we know he's a good player. You know, Brogdon, you know, he had made some threes here in this game six, but Brogdon certainly didn't lay a stamp on this series or didn't have his fingerprints all over these games. And I don't want to make this guy out to be Ray Allen. But a guy that they would certainly need on this team is a J.J. Redick. Veteran guy. Wants the ball. Going to take a big shot. Etc. And I get that they have a guy like Chris Middleton. And hopefully he learns from this. And he has to learn from this. And the Bucks, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the years to come. But as of right now, it's going to be a long summer. Because they're going to look at this 2-0 lead. And maybe even look at those games that they went into you know, game three into overtime. And say man We were that close for Reaching our goal To play for an NBA title And this whole summer Is going to be a bunch of what-ifs As far as the final itself Interesting And before the start of the playoffs I had to stick with my bet Boston and Golden State And we know Celtics have been long gone But gun to my head I thought to myself That Toronto's going to get here Now I didn't think They were going to take this circuitous route To get to an NBA final But here they are, they have the home court We know about Kawhi and what he's done And that's going to be a fascinating thing too This isn't a question to be asked and talked about today But we know his impending free agency What does that mean now that he's made it to a final? What if they win the NBA final? I mean they have to do whatever it takes to keep him I mean that's all there is to it I think they have to do it either way But you have those fascinating questions that are going to be answered But as far as the series is concerned You wonder with the 10-day layoff what that's going to do for this Golden State team. We know that they've played another season over the last four seasons of just playoff games. I'm sure the rest is going to do them good. I would not be surprised they come out rusty. Raptors have to come out guns a-blazing. If the game was in Golden State, I'd be a little worried from a standpoint of, yeah, they could blitzkrieg him in the first half and then you're just waiting for that switch to click and then they have the home fans behind them and next thing you know a 15 point lead is now a four point deficit and then Golden State just takes over from there and that's it but you have the home crowd Toronto's been waiting for this for God knows how long I'm not going to sit here and say game one is important but I think just for the psyche for the team and even for their fans they've never been this is uncharted territory for this team and nothing's going to phase Golden State at all So I'm not going to say it's a must win for Toronto, but if they have any chance of really putting a stamp on the series is winning that first game and just holding serve of home court. And if they could do that, I think they'll have a great shot to win. And I will say this, I'm rooting for them. Why not? We've seen enough of Golden State, tired of it. Who knows if Kevin Durant comes back? And that's another question. All the talk about, oh, they're much better without Kevin Durant. Etc. I'm sure that if the series is 1 1 going back to Golden State, I wouldn't be surprised game three he's going to perform. Who knows what's going to happen between now and Thursday? We'll see. But as of today, and they've won, let's face it, even with the game five against Houston, they won that game. They've won six in a row without him. And I get that a lot of people were going to look at, ah, we don't need Kevin Durant. But guess what? If Kawhi's going off and Klay Thompson is unable to stop him And Draymond Green is unable to stop him Then guess what They're bringing back Kevin Durant Down 0-2, 1-1 If they're up 2-0 Different story But I can certainly see How Toronto They certainly need to get off the deck here Fast and furious And ride that momentum of game 6 And ride the momentum of everything that's happened so far In this postseason for them To get off to a fast start Rooting for Toronto But if I had to lay it all on the line I got to pick the Warriors in 6 I understand I could go with my heart And say Nah Toronto and The Warriors have been on a mission here They know that this could be it As far as this Iteration of the Warriors Kevin Durant most likely is going to be gone I'm sure they're going to show and prove Even with Durant out And hearing all that noise from the outside That oh we could beat this team as well And it's going to be tough to overcome So We'll see Thursday night It tips off in Toronto The whole NBA world And look Canada will be watching To see if we could For the first time In NBA history A team outside of The United States Win an NBA cha- uh, championship Alright let's move our uh, Let's see I pretty much covered all that Let me see NBA uh, And you know It's interesting too We know what. If, real quick Dwayne Casey What is he thinking today? DeMar DeRozan, what is he thinking today? Casey was a coach of the year last year And then gets dismissed And you got to give it up to Toronto Then their higher ups, their owner, GM For just saying We're going to just start this thing over And they did And DeMar DeRozan, I'm sure they got to be happy And I wouldn't be surprised if you see DeRozan on the sideline up there Rooting for them But I'm sure that's got to be Not even a bitter pill That is a giant bitter pill. Knowing you were that close last year, and not that they were close because they lost in the conference semifinals, but one seed, they had the home court throughout the postseason last year, and then LeBron just eviscerated them. And now, a year later, here they are in the NBA Finals. So let's let's turn our attention out of the Stanley Cup as the NHL is front and center tonight In the sports world You have no Game 7 NBA Which would have been a Game 7 in Milwaukee You have baseball that's being played But we all know baseball's regional You have nothing else going on So the spotlight in the sports world Is going to shine in Beantown Where the Boston Bruins are going to go for Another Stanley Cup And the St. Louis Blues are going for their first ever Stanley Cup Now remember the Storyline here That a lot of people Are going to look at Is the 1970 Stanley Cup Final The iconic photo Of Bobby Orr Flying through the air Scoring the game winning goal When the Bruins won the Cup So I'm sure you're going to be Beaten over the head To that Tune At least for the start You know once the puckers Drop game one You're not going to See it I mean, Who knows Maybe they'll bring Bobby Orr to talk about it But after Let's say the first period Of the night You won't hear much about it But it's a Series that I'm sure The NHL Is welcoming with open arms I understand the casual sports fan May not be familiar with the St. Louis Blues But the Blues have been around for quite some time The Bruins Everybody knows the Bruins Anytime you get an original six team in a Stanley Cup final You go with it and you run with it But how I look at this Series Now the Bruins Now remember this We're talking about Golden State having 10 days off The Bruins have had 11 days off And to my Beloved Cousin JD, and by any means this isn't a jinx, but you know how patterns are when it comes to the series. Just think back in this postseason. The Islanders swept Pittsburgh, then Carolina swept the Islanders, and then the Bruins swept Carolina. Does this mean that St. Louis is not going to sweep Boston? Highly unlikely, but it's one of those things that certainly plays in the back of your head like, hmm, trends. I don't think that's going to be the case. As far as the... Series is concerned, you have the storylines of David Backus, the former Blues captain who's now on the Bruins side, so he's going up against his old team and teammates, so that's one thing to look at. Zdeno Chara, who has not played, but having all this time off, they're expecting him to play tonight, who is the captain of their team, certainly the linchpin of that defense. I know a lot of the talk has been about Brad Marchand this postseason, see how he's going to get under the skin of the Blues players. Also, props to Craig Berube, coach of the St. Louis Blues, who took over this team in January. And Berube has a place in my heart because, as we all know, everybody knows I love fighting in the league, and Berube was the chief back in the days, in the the 80s and 90s, and for him to get a second chance after coaching Philadelphia a few years ago, and now that he's coaching a Stanley Cup final team, there is a part of me that's rooting for him. And it would be great to know that, let's just say, for argument's sake, if they do happen to win a Stanley Cup final, it's on the heels of a former enforcer who would have amassed Over 3,000 penalty minutes in the NHL throughout his career Then you know what More power to him Because as we all know It's a lost start, And enforcers are endangered species They're pretty much extinct In the NHL But I'm not going to go down that road I'll leave it right there Bruins right now With the way their team And they have a lot of the veterans on that team You only have a few that are left over from that cup, cup run Patrice Bergeron obviously Chara took a rest, a goalie who's had a phenomenal postseason you kind of wonder if this is going to be their window here knowing that who knows how much Chara has left and wouldn't be surprised that if they do win a cup would Chara retire? I mean he's played 21 years he's 42 years old he's coming off an injury you would think that this could be a swan song here and as if you're St. Louis you're kind of like Toronto in this regard because even though he played in the cup but that was you know 49 years ago So here you are, you finally made it, your city who's been starving for a cup forever and now you're going up against a team that in the last 7 years have been in 2 cups, well 8 years excuse me, in 2011 they won and they lost in 2013 and listen I haven't watched the Blues shift in shift out, same for the Bruins for that matter but obviously I have a better pulse with the Bruins here being East and obviously 200 miles up north of here. The one thing I'll say about this I think in order for the Blues To win this series And they've been formidable Throughout this postseason They're going to have to go The route of splitting Especially winning that first game Winning two In St. Louis And then Coming home for game six Because I think the Bruins And I understand They just came off a sweep And 11 days off And who knows Will they be rusty Will they, We're going to see that tonight But I like the Bruins In this series I think they can win in six games And how about this if you're A fan of the uh, Or a resident of the New England area October 28, 2018 The Boston Red Sox win Their fourth World Series in 14 years 97 days later The New England Patriots Win a Super Bowl Their sixth Super Bowl In 18 years And then 114 days later Well that's tonight So we got to add the days As the series goes along There right now It's 114 days Drought Of Their city Not winning a title And if it wasn't For my dumb Celtics Just falling apart The way they did They actually could have been Part of this Whole Boston championship mix Could you imagine? This is a city That's had championship After championship After championship And again now we're talking about city droughts, so it's not as if the city hasn't won. Right, think about this: the last time in New York, Yankees won, and that's ten years ago. So this drought. Now I understand the Giants won back in uh, twenty eleven. So I guess you got to include that. You get not guess, you have to include them. But the droughts of all these teams: Mets thirty three years, Yankees ten years, Knicks forever. Let's not even go there. And here it is: Boston's going through these droughts as if uh, you know it's weeks. 97 days, 114 days It's it's unbelievable But I'm going to say I picked them in six I think that the Bruins They've just been I'm not going to say on a magical run But their players know how to win They know The competition They have a player Marchand Who has just been a pest And has been pretty much One of the faces of this Whole postseason I'm sure he's going to continue to do that And St. Louis, give them credit They had a phenomenal run here They destroyed San Jose in a game 5 in San Jose And then they iced it In a game 5, game 6 at home Could it be a long series? It could go, why why can't it go 7? It's the NHL, anything can happen But I'm going to take the Bruins in 6 For them to end their city drought of 100 and whatever it will be 25 days And that uh, will be your NHL season Let's see, other storylines I know Brock Nelson signed a six-year $36 million deal with the Islanders Islanders got to get more But we're just getting started And we'll get into more of the free agency And a little bit of the draft later on in June And uh, yeah, that is pretty much your NHL So tonight, front and center At least you got something to watch I understand the average fan is going to look at that and be like Ah, who cares But it's championship round Got to get into it At least tune in a little bit to see what's going on I mean, please Nothing else to watch. All right, let's turn our attention to baseball. I'll start off with the Yankees this time around. The Yankees come off uh, another successful week, shocker. Uh, even though they didn't play the Orioles this weekend, but Gleyber Torres had another home run, and Gary Sanchez for that matter. And I'm going to start there. Why did Aaron Boone not play Gary Sanchez and Gleyber Torres in that final game, the getaway game Thursday in Baltimore? Are the stupid analytics that important To the point where Oh we have to give them a day off They need it They've only hit a thousand home runs In that series And you figure hey Let's put them in there Sanchez is 25 years old Or 26 tops Glebert Torres is 22 years old You know these guys aren't long in the tooth Give me a break And I get that it's part of the game It's analytics You have to For the old crusty traditional guy like myself We understand that it's part of the game We understand that There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. You can't totally dismiss that. But when a guy is hot, when a guy's been hitting home run after home run after home run, no, let's sit him down and cool him off for a night. It doesn't make any sense. To me, that's the most stupidest logic and those dumb sabermetric nerds, they feel like, oh, well, if you take him out for one game, he's going to be just as good the next game. I don't care if those stats back it up. The bottom line is the two words, people, the eye test. If the guy is hot, you leave him in there. That's like you're at a poker table and you're just racking up, what? I, mean, I don't even play poker to save my life, but you're racking up all these cards and you're getting all these chips and you're stacking your chips high. It's like, you know what? I'm going to stop right now and walk away, which I guess would be smart when you think about it. But the bottom line is, is that if your hand is hot until you start to cool off, then you can say, all right, take my chips and go home. But no, let's keep getting hot. Let's just, it's getting you're increasing your odds you're increasing your money 8,000 10,000 15,000 20,000 okay I'm leaving and that's what the stupid analytics to me that's it's tantamount to that but anyway the Yankees are just rolling I understand they're playing bad baseball teams they lose a tough one yesterday even down 7-1 where Domingo Herman did not have it and his team bailed him out so give them credit obviously Luke Voigt is back at it again Had a big uh, doubleheader day on Saturday We talked about the exploits of Torres and Sanchez Even Clint Frazier's gotten into the mix there too With a couple of home runs And the Yankees Now they come into a very interesting week Where they host the San Diego Padres and Manny Machado So I know the fans are going to get on him The course of the next three days But what's even more fascinating What lies ahead is the Boston Red Sox come to town for four days starting on Thursday And Chris Sale is pitching that opening game And if the Yankee fan remembers last year In late July I believe it was When the Yankees went to Boston And Boston swept them for four games It pretty much sealed the division Now I understand it's going to be the first week of June And it may be a little too early to Celebrate if the Yankees do come out with a sweep But boy A six and a half game lead in the division To increase that to ten Sounds very enticing and will certainly be an uphill battle for the Red Sox to try to claim an American League East Division two years in a row. This is the time where the Yankees now are going to face better competition. Padres have been good, they're not great. And the Red Sox have been floundering. Of course, they've gotten themselves back in the mix here over 500. I believe now they're two games over 500. No, they're 28 and 25, if I'm not mistaken. After the Astros beat up on him a little bit this weekend. And it's going to be a fascinating four days. Hopefully the weather's hot. I'm sure it's going to be big crowds. Considering it's going to be a weekend series. Say, I don't even know who's going up against the sale opening night. I don't know what's happening. Paxton, he should be throwing soon. I don't know if he's going to be ready for this upcoming series. The Yankee injuries continue to mount. Giancarlo still... Having another setback with a knee issue. First it was a shoulder, then it was a... No, first it was a bicep, then it was a shoulder, now it's a knee. CC on the DL. But the Yankees, somehow, someway, they're still winning these games. And granted, people could say, oh, but look at the schedule. Please, if they're playing the Orioles and the Royals day in and day out, that they should beat them. And Hey, that's who you play. Yankees are going to see the Astros soon. Yankees are going to see the Red Sox this coming weekend. They're going to have another date with the Twins down the road. And the Yankees always beat the Twins, but still. And that's the one thing. The American League is top-heavy. There are not a lot of good teams in the American League. Because after that, what are you going to say? All right, Cleveland? Eh. You're not going to say the Angels. Mariners come back crashing down to earth. And the rest of the AL East is an atrocity. Well, all right, I don't want to knock on the Rays, but do you expect the Rays... To really make a push there Despite the fact that two games behind the Yankees And one in the loss if I'm not mistaken As of right now So Interesting week for the Yanks We'll certainly keep our eye on that And obviously be in tune to What's going to take place there Over the next seven days As far as the Mets are concerned What a difference a week makes This time last week Everybody was calling for Mickey Calloway's head After getting swept in Miami To the worst team in baseball And the Mets Surprisingly Shockingly remember two weeks ago we started the stretch where if they went 11-5 and five, you would take it considering they were playing against Miami and Washington and Detroit well when you look at how they did during the stretch remember they started off 3-0 they won those first three games the two in Miami the one in Washington then they lose five in a row so now you're thinking oh geez so much for that so much for going 10-5 and five, because remember they had to rain out in Miami and then they come back they sweep the Nationals in thrilling fashion each game and a lot of that has to do with the just the there isn't even a word to describe the national bullpen. If the Met bullpen is awful what is the national bullpen? Putrid? An abomination? Name any I couldn't believe how much they gave up lead after lead after lead after lead in this series and from different guys that were heroes. Juan Legaris. of course Pete Alonso hit that bomb in the second game of the series Carlos Gomez Rajay Davis with the capper and they had to the DFA him which was a shame because they had to bring Comforto back but hopefully the Mets could keep him because he's a very useful player and the Mets had their own issues when it comes to injuries too whether it's Nimmo Robinson Cano or Jeff McNeil so anyway so then the Mets sweep them so now you're 7-5, and five, so you end up with a 9-6 and six stretch here, which, let's face it, you, you'll take as a Met fan, because as we've seen time and time again, there have been no consistency as far as them winning, putting together any type of winning streaks. They got themselves back to 500 miraculously, they're 26-26, and 26, and guess where they're going now? To arguably play the best team in the National League in the Dodgers for four games, who have owned the Mets since the 2015 NLDS. And tonight, you have Jacob DeGrom and Clayton Kershaw, which is going to be a matchup. And listen, Kershaw's not the same guy. He's still effective. But here's the thing. You can already smell this game from a mile away that in the sixth inning, it's going to be one nothing Dodgers. And then Jake's going to end up being on the losing end. And you're going to start your road trip off that way. And then they play three in Arizona after that. And then they went 2 out of 3 over the weekend But boy, they had to do any anything and everything to win that series Because Detroit gave them a fight and a half And there was no shock After the Mets sweep the Nats And the Marlins, after sweeping the Mets They go to Detroit, sweep the Tigers So they come limping to New York on a 9 game losing streak And you just knew the Mets were going to lose Friday night Even with Noah on the mound and Noah was awful 5 innings, 10 hits A million home runs I don't know what's up with Guard. And I've gotten on this case before in the past But he's he's got to turn it around at some point But then they had to Go 13 innings the other night With Thomas Nito Hitting a home run in extra innings And then yesterday down 3-0 They had to come back. a comeback He's another guy who's been Off the scrap heap Who certainly contributed here to this Past week of Met success As they win 4-3 And that was a big win Because now they're going on this West Coast trip You know Arizona's formidable we know about the Dodgers. I, I guess you will take three and four. You hope they'll be four and three so they can come back home with a game over 500. But the Mets right now, they just have to win series. I mean, Bottom line, that's it. And I've said that weeks ago, and I'll say it again. As much as it'd be great, they've won six of seven, and it'd be nice for them to reel off five, six, seven in a row. Just win series. So split against the Dodgers, win two out of three in Arizona, come home, and that's it. Nobody's saying that you got to win three out of four in LA. Nobody's saying that... Uh, just don't get embarrassed. But at the same time, earn a split. Can you do that, Matt? Could you please do that? Not asking for a lot. And then the Mets, you know, they picked up some of these players, the Aaron Alters of, of the world, the former Philly, Irvin Santana, former twin angel for reinforcements. I understand these guys are scrap heap guys. Matt Camp's another one. I get that it's from the from the bottom of the clearance bin at Walmart we get that but you know how the Mets are Mets aren't going to go out and get the Dallas Keikos or the Craig so well, they're not going to do that they're going to see if they could strike lightning in a bottle and get some of these guys to come up and play look Rajai Davis came up took an Uber from Pennsylvania two hours he gets in the third inning and he hits a home run in the ninth now granted they were already up 3 one but still give him credit and Etta has made a contribution you know the guys that you just would never expect. Now, can it last for a long period of time? No, but look at the Yankees. Look across town. When you got Tyro Estrada hitting home runs, getting big hits. We've talked about Gio Urshela and the big hits that he's gotten. Michael Talkman at times. That's the epitome of a team. Your heavyweights aren't going to carry you every day, all day. You're going to need contributions from the guys that you least expect it. And just like the Mets the other night, Tomas Nido. Who's he's actually had a couple of big hits during, at times throughout the course of the last few weeks. So we'll certainly uh, keep an eye on that with the Mets. Should be an interesting week out West. And as far as the baseball is concerned, we go around. Uh, how about the Twins, man? The Twins are on pace to hit over 300 home runs, which would annihilate what the Yankees did last year. And when you think about the Twins, you think about who are their home run hitters? You know, there's no Harmon Killebrews, Tony Olivas. Uh, Ken Herbeck Tom Brunansky. I don't want to say Kirby Puckett I mean he hit home runs but he wasn't really a home run hitter he's more of an average hitter but you don't have those sluggers of Minnesota Twins past I mean you have guys obviously that hit the ball out of the ballpark whether you know Miguel Sano's back in the mix Nelson Cruz but when you're getting other contributions we've you know Eddie Rosario's it's who would have thought but the thing about the Twins we can see this in a regular season all we want we need to see this in October Which kind of goes back to even what I said about Glaber Torres. You know, killing Oriole pitching. I think if I go up against Oriole pitching, I can hit some home runs. But give credit to Minnesota. They've certainly been a team that a lot thought that we're going to have a good year. They didn't think they were... They weren't expecting this. That they would be not only the top of the American League, but even the top of baseball as far as their record is concerned. But as we all know, baseball isn't won in May, June, July. We all know it's in October. But when you look at the standings today... The Twins And I understand the Indians They've certainly Have had their injuries And Jose Ramirez is Obviously was in the mix for MVP The last two years And he has done nothing this year He's actually had just an awful year for him But Minnesota right now I mean Who would have thought 10 game lead In the AL Central So it looks like they're going to run away And obviously they lead the league in runs Just looking at this here They have 315 runs Who would have thought that the Twin offense would be a juggernaut. So, to me, they're the story in baseball this year. Everybody could look at the Astros and what they've done. And they've had two big, long winning streaks. One, I believe, was 11 games or 10 games. But it certainly doesn't even match what Minnesota has done. And as far as the National League is concerned, you know, talked about L.A. They have a seven-game lead now, currently on San Diego and Arizona. It's going to be a... Fights to the finish there in the centrals so I know St. Louis has cooled off a little bit But you figure Chicago, Milwaukee Even Pittsburgh, four and a half But this is where you get to that point of the year where I'm not going to say teams are who they are But you'll have a good idea Here Memorial Day Of who's going to be In contend mode And who's going to be For the most part, in pretend mode And when you look at it On the surface You know, Atlanta's played better This is in the National League of course You know St. Louis Can they withstand A little bit of a Down Down tick here And keep themselves In the mix in the AL Central The West You figure it's going to be You know LA's going to ride that sucker Out to the end Will San Diego be a team That's Going to be serious In the wild card Push Not even going to go there With the Mets And the American League Like I said It's top heavy Tampa, can they continue to put pressure on the Yankees knowing that, for all intents and purposes, they're not going to make any big changes come the trade deadline? In fact, last year, they traded players off their team and they still won 90 games. But as far as getting reinforcements to make it down the stretch to not only get themselves into a wild card, but even maybe win a division... Cleveland, I don't know what's going to happen with them. They're going to be, they're, they're, to me, they're going to have a long year. I mean, they're 500. They're probably going to have a stretch here where they're going to get themselves back in the mix, but I think they're going to fall short. They're going to be chasing the Twins all summer long. And out West, what about Oakland, man? Give them credit. Oakland just had a horrific start to their year. Oakland was a team that everybody thought was smoking mirrors last year, winning 96 games, making it to the wild card. And right now... They are three games over 500. I, I don't know what their low point was, but they certainly were many games on the 500, and now they've certainly righted the ship, but they're still six and a half behind Houston in the AL West. So, a lot of baseball just getting started. We'll have plenty of time to talk baseball throughout the summer, but that's uh, pretty much where we're at as far as baseball is concerned. A couple other things before we say goodbye. The French Open kicked off yesterday. Roland Garros, the second major tennis tournament, and I don't know what it is. And nothing against her. I'm not. I don't want to pick on her. But why is it that Caroline Wozniacki always loses in the first in her first match? And she did again to some 68th ranked woman in the world. And give her credit for beating Wozniacki. But here's a former number one, who I'm not trying to say she has to be Martina Navratilova. She has to be Serena Williams. But For someone who's been ranked number one, certainly doesn't play or even act like a number one player. And I'm not knocking her as far as her person is concerned or how she is, whatever, but what is it? Is it the time change? Jet lag? Did you eat something bad? I, I don't understand. You would think you'd get a lot more from a number one and I understand that happens sometimes. You know, when you got somebody that's you know, think of Maria Sharapova. She was one that a lot of people thought in the heyday of her career, number one or one of the top ranked tennis players in the world. And she get to a semifinal and that's it. And I think off the top of my head, she probably won one major tournament. And to me, that's, wasn't the ackee. So she loses. Rafa wins. Shocker there. Rafa's won, I think, 11 of these. 11... French Opens Which by far When you talk about Players who play On the clay surface uh, There is no Argument Who's the best Of all time there So we'll uh, Certainly keep our eye On that as we move along The Indy 500 yesterday And the only reason Why I bring this up As I said last week The Indy 500 When you're My age And in the 70s And 80s As you talk about You know The AJ Foyt's Of the world The Mario Andrettis Of the world you know, the in the race car drivers of that generation. And that Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, I and mean, that was huge. It was to me, NASCAR, nobody knew about NASCAR then. And of course, NASCAR is super popular and we get that. And I, if somebody gave me tickets to go to a NASCAR event, would I go? Chances are I probably wouldn't. But you know what? Hey, just to say I've gone. But in the immortal words of this program, if it was playing in my backyard, I would draw the blinds. But with the Indy 500, and your winner there yesterday it was a guy, if he fell on me 60 times with the jacket and his name was on the back, I still wouldn't know who he is. But the uh, person was Simon, what is it, Simon Pagano? Pagano, that's how it's P-A-G-E-N-A-U-D. Sounds French to me if you ask. But uh, he is your Indy 500 winner. And I couldn't even name any of these Indy race car drivers to save my life. And like I said, back then, you could go through the whole list. And you know Al Hunter Jr the, the list went on and on With all those race car drivers Back then And not to say that We were into it Sitting in front of the TV On a Sunday 90 degrees outside When I could be playing baseball Or stickball Or whatever But And it, this is before The internet is before anything Technologically That we have at our fingertips today But Again I couldn't even tell you This day and age saved my life But Indy 500 Is part of Americana Especially To kick off of the summer so th- that's what you have yesterday up in uh, in Indianapolis. And let me close out. Not the NFL. I'm not going to get into some of the things that's happening in football. I know that, you know, with uh, Gerald McCoy, he's won. And uh, chances are he probably wants to go to the Browns. Now that the Bucs are looking to sign in Damakon So yeah, the NFL stuff, I know in the next week or so, you're going to have the mini camps are going to start to open up. For a week or so before training camp in another two months. Oh, jeez. Could the uh, summer slow down even though it hasn't officially started? But you know what I'm saying. And it's a gorgeous day outside today. There's blue skies. It's been, the weather's finally arrived here in the Northeast for those who live in this region. But, uh, but before I say goodbye, uh, my hero and zero of the week. My hero of the week. And sad to say, there's some uh, sad news that came through yesterday. Former legendary Green Bay Packer. Quarterback Bart Starr Passed away at the age of 85 The only quarterback to win three consecutive NFL championships Remember before the Super Bowl They were called NFL championships So he's the only quarterback to ever do so Bart Starr was also a former coach Did not have the success as a coach that he had as a player Playing on those vintage legendary Lombardi teams In the 60s And To pay respects to a guy who Was the MVP of the first two Super Bowls Ever And I guess when people think of The Green Bay Packers Of course in this day and age A lot of people are going to look at The Aaron Rodgers of the world They even look at Brett Favre They're going to look at Obviously Vince Lombardi But The one person in that whole Packer family That kind of gets lost Is Bart Starr So Our condolences to his family And I want to give him my hero of the week So Bart Starr, may he rest in peace, age of 85. And then the zero of the week. What in the world is going on in Santa Anita, California? He had a report. And I talked about this before the Kentucky Derby. There was a report that from December 26th to as recent as three weeks ago, about two dozen horses had passed. I don't know if the way they were handled or the way they're just taken care of, whatever it may be. And then now another report that in the last nine days that they had to put down three more horses. I, I can't even imagine. I'm surprised that, I don't, know, I don't want to say the sport itself, meaning the racing association or whomever it may be, that they go in there and investigate what the hell is going on. I mean, that's an out and out disgrace. It's bad enough that we, Listen, I get that these horses are trained and they're thoroughbreds, and it's, but it's just a shame that just for entertainment purposes, and I get that this has been going on since the beginning of time, Kentucky Derby, 145 years, Preakness, et cetera. I get all that. Okay, but at the same time, this is just downright awful. What is going on? Is there an investigation happening? Please. So whomever's behind the Santa Anita track out in california who's ever behind the association there who's ever you know slipping money under the table to kind of stay quiet about this no it's time to stop there needs to be some suspensions or whatever it is so those that's my zero of the week whoever's responsible for what the hell is going on out there please come on people let's get it together they should ban the sport all together and people could say oh who are you j reels come on horse racing i how many people are into horse racing in this country You know, this isn't your your grandfather or your great-grandfather, even your father's horse racing. Please. This is a disgrace. Bottom line, in my backyard, draw the blinds. Not going to do it. I hope you feel the same way. Please, there's people that rather bet on horse racing and then the Stanley Cup finals, who cares? I understand. Hockey isn't for everybody and I get the same thing for horse racing, but still, it's just a shame that these animals are going through this and it's just, it's awful. Uh, That's all there is to it. Alright people Let me uh, get out And enjoy the rest of this Memorial Day weekend And again Thanks to those who have Served this country Currently And of course formerly And for those who have uh, Passed To sacrifice Our Freedom Our land Etc Goes without saying How much we appreciate And thank you for your service If you want to Get a chance to listen to what it is I have to say each and every week. And as well as leave a review or post a rating. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify. Please, people. There's an independent outlet here. I'm doing this for the love, which I'll continue to do as long as I'm alive on this planet. But I would love your participation to leave a rating, post a review. It's very simple. All you got to do is just go to your app on your phone. It literally takes seconds. Give me however many stars you want. Leave a review. Post a rating It uh, goes well above and beyond What I would ever expect And imagine That if you could do that for me Again, I uh, thank you twice more than once All that's going to do Is increase the popularity With other, the other sports podcasts Out in the universe And hopefully Not only will it increase the visibility But also gain in popularity To uh, provide more content Better content More frequent content, etc So if you could do that I would sincerely and greatly appreciate it you could also reach out to me if you have any questions, comments, criticism, praise, whether the, on any of my social media sites, accounts, on Instagram, J Reels, on Twitter, JReels one, just the number, the J Reels podcast on my Facebook page, and the J Reels podcast at gmail.com is the email address. I understand, you know, you could just hit me up on any of my social media accounts, but I do have an email address because it's added there. And last but not least, don't forget the website, jreels.com. Uh, For those who are listening for the very first time wondering who I am You could get a little synopsis, a little background about me A little bio about the program My journey throughout all over the years of me doing this Whether it was on local radio, internet radio Actual terrestrial radio And now the J Reels podcast delivered to you each and every week here As I do so every Monday So with that being said, people, enjoy the rest of your holiday. Enjoy all the sports that are going on. And as always, from the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby.